Now, you may think, Brian, Lent, isn't that a Catholic thing? Well, actually not really. (laughs) Multiple denominations celebrate Lent. Um, It actually has a very long standing in Christian history, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Lent traditionally is a season of repentance. And while we Baptists may not be so much on Lent, repentance definitely is something Baptists historically have cared a lot about. And um, when many of us hear the word repentance, um, we usually think of something that happened somewhere in the past. Uh, We usually think of when we got saved and uh, remember that song, then I repented of my sin and won the victory. So we tend to put it back there in our timeline. But the problem with that is that repentance is not a moment in time. It's a process. The point of salvation and the forgiving of our sins happens in an instant. When we put our faith in Christ... But the process of putting aside our old self and taking on the life of Christ is a lifelong journey that we should always constantly be engaged in. Sin is real, and it infects every one of us. Jesus didn't come just to forgive us of our sin. He came to heal us from our sin. And that process of healing requires that we enter into a lifestyle of change, of transformation, of new creation. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, it says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I want to point out something very key to the text. John is not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to the church. He's talking to saved people. And he points out two things. Number one, for those, even though we're in Christ, we still sin. Okay? The second thing he points out is he doesn't imply that we should go, well, yeah, I'm a sinner, but I'm covered in the blood. I'm good. No. I fear too often that we act like God's forgiveness is something that happened back in the past. We prayed a prayer. You know, Jesus died from our sin. It's all washed away. All of them are stakes, past, present, future. And we don't have to worry about this sin thing anymore. Everything's okay between God and us. But what does the text say? First John tells us, if we... Christians, the church, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us. You see, repentance and confession is not something that just happened way back when. It's something that we ought to be engaged in on a moment-by-moment basis. Proverbs 28 verse 13 says, "'Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper.'" But he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. God is a God of mercy and kindness. He loves you more than you could ever imagine or know. But that experience of God's mercy doesn't just kick in automatically. 
The doorway to God's mercy is confession and repentance. James chapter 4, verse 6 says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Now remember, he's still talking to the church here. James is written to the church. And from this passage, we can tell that we as Christians are in danger of becoming proud and becoming someone whom God opposes. It's possible to be a Christian and yet be opposed by God if we don't repent. Being a Christian is more than just a praying a prayer back sometime, somewhere. What we do today, now with our Christianity, is extremely important. He continues on in verse 8. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. This, this is not um, plastic, Barbie smile kind of Christianity. Happy, 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 you know. No. Genuine Christianity digs deep into the soul and it cries out, Lord, search me, know my thoughts, see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the paths of righteousness. James continues, let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and then we get to the good part and he will exalt you. You see, the way up is down. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 4 says, There is a time to weep, a time to laugh. There is a time to mourn and a time to dance. And it's very easy to spend most of our Christian life laughing and dancing and no time at all doing any mourning and weeping. In my own life, in my own life, I find that I all too quickly embrace the lie that sin really is not that big of a deal. But it is. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said in his Beatitudes, Blessed are those that mourn, for they will be comforted. The way up is down. Before you can be comforted by God's forgiveness, we must learn to mourn over our sin. You can't have one without the other. Now, don't get me wrong. God is not stingy, okay? He doesn't forgive begrudgingly. He's not sitting high up on a pedestal say, grovel, worm, grovel. More, sac- more sackcloth, more ashes. No, he's not doing that. Mourning, and this is key that you understand this, mourning is not for God. He doesn't need it. Mourning is for us. It's for our sakes. We keep acting like it's merely a flesh wound when it's stage four cancer. Confession and mourning over our sin is part of the medicine that heals us. We have to take the doctor's words seriously. James chapter 5 verse 16 says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. David said in Psalm 32, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. You see, the opposite of repentance and confession is deceit, hiding 
in the Garden of Eden, what was the first thing Adam and Eve did after they disobeyed God? They ran. They didn't want God to see. David said, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. So let's, let's bring this down to a time of invitation and to an action point really quickly. I know time is slipping by. Confessing our sins doesn't mean just saying, God, I'm a sinner. It means naming our sins specifically. I think of the Old Testament. Whenever an Israelite would sin, they would bring an animal to the temple and they would put their hand on the head of that sacrifice and they would confess over that animal all their sins. They had a sin list that they handed over as a sacrifice, as a propitiation for them. Same thing happened on the Day of Atonement. King David said in Psalm 51, in his great psalm of repentance after his sin with Bathsheba, he says, For you will not, not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O oh God, you will not despise. Confession means pulling the skeletons out of our closet for God to see. It means agreeing with God about what sin really is. The number one enemy of confession is self-justification. We, we make excuses and we relabel our sin as something else. Arrogance and seeking to be first rather than being a servant, we relabel it into, well, that's just healthy competition. Slander with the intent to harm the reputation of another becomes, I'm just telling it like it is. Greed, originating from an out-of-control desire for self-gratification, becomes, well, I'm enjoying God's blessings. We can justify anything. Confession means naming our sins in God's terms. And it's in that place of confession that we are forgiven that we are cleansed, and we are healed. So we're going to enter into a time of invitation here, and it's going to be a little bit different. I invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Ashley's going to play softly at the piano here. And I want you to ask some questions before God. God, where do I need healing? What sins do I need to confess and forsake? Open my eyes. Let me see what you see hidden in the deep, dark recesses of my heart. If you want to get on your knees, feel free to. If you want to come to the altar, that's fine. Do business with God. As the piano plays, I'm going to ask a series of questions that will help us in this process. Number one, have I put something else at a higher priority than my relationship with God. Number two. Number two. Do I entrust myself at all times to the care of God? Or do I become discouraged and show a lack of faith? At times of affliction, 
illness or personal trials do I grumble against God and lose my faith and courage? Do I regularly take time to seek God in prayer? Do I study the Bible and other helpful spiritual books in order to grow in my faith? Do I faithfully attend church on Sundays? Do I keep the promises that I make to God? Do I make fun of spiritual things or believe how I live my faith in the public arena to be unimportant? Have I spoken out and said wrong or harmful things about leaders in the church? Am I faithful to give as God directs? Do I harbor hatred towards someone who has treated me badly or insulted me? Am I suspicious of others, their thoughts or their intentions about me? Do I get jealous about the progress, the happiness, the beauty, or the possessions of others? Am I unmoved by the misfortune or needs of my neighbor? Do I give to the poor and the orphans and elderly and financially struggling families I know? In everyday dealings with coworkers or clients, am I honest, straightforward, sincere, and upright? Have I slandered or accused another with my mouth or in my heart? Do I make jokes about those who have spiritual or physical weaknesses? Do I overhear information or accusations about another person and pass this on as gossip rather than holding my tongue? Do I respect my parents? Do I care for them and have patience with their elderly weaknesses? Do I help them with their physical and spiritual needs or do I treat them with indifference? Have I physically struck someone or abused them verbally? Do I work at my job with integrity? Do I steal? Have I covered up the thefts of another or do I hide income to avoid paying taxes? Have I been thankless towards God or to those who are good to me? Have I encouraged someone to sin either by my example, persuasion, or a temptation created by me? Have I committed forgery or taken advantage of government assistance when I, I really didn't need it? Have I borrowed objects or money and failed to return them? Have I committed murder, if not with my actions? What about imagining to do so in my heart? Have I become involved in the private lives of others, their work, or their family causing arguments and strife? Have I become attached to material things? Am I stingy and a lover of money? Am I greedy? Have I wasted money on the excessive accumulation of things or the latest fashions or gadgets? Am I conceited or obsessed over the attention of others? Do I feel like that I have to broadcast everything about my life on Facebook? Do I like to show off and flaunt my clothes, my wealth, my success, or my child's success? Do I crave admiration from those around me? 
Do I get upset when someone points out my mistakes or faults? Do I feel hurt when reprimanded or corrected by another? Am I stubborn, obstinate, egotistical, selfish, or self-centered? Am I so obsessed with the news, the latest tweet, or Facebook update that I cannot break away from the radio, television, or internet? Do I pollute my mind with lustful thoughts from images I have seen? Do I look at obscene material on TV or the internet? Am I gluttonous, having a pattern of eating when I'm already full? Have I used obscene or insulting or improper words for the sake of being comical or to insult or humiliate another person? Have I been lazy or negligent? Do I expel from my mind or entertain wrong thoughts? Do I control what goes into my ears and eyes? Have I treated my children unfairly? Do I intentionally spend enough time with my children and around my children in order to teach them how to live correctly? Do I abuse my children verbally or scold them with indecent words? Do I honor and love the parents and relatives of my spouse? Have I allowed my parents to interfere in my home life and become a source of dissension between me and my spouse? Do I interfere unduly in the home life of my adult children? Do I love, honor, respect, cherish, and submit to my spouse the way I vowed I would on my wedding day? I'm going to be silent now. I'm just going to allow you to respond to God. Believe me, I am not trying to condemn you or bring you under a spirit of guilt. Jesus wants you to be free. But you can't be free if you don't know you're in bondage. Run to the open arms of Christ. Receive his mercy. Receive his healing. Receive his grace.